Hey, so today is Veterans Day, or in, as it is in Europe, Remembrance Day. Um, I'd like you all just to take a moment for silence while we think of those that have died in war or made other sacrifices. And afterwards, I'll make a little uh, dedication of Dharani to the departed. Om Namo Amitabhaya Tathagataya Tadyata Amrita Bha Amrita Siddhama Bha Amrita Vikranti Amrita Vikranto Gagamani Gagana Jitgali Swaha So that um, is the Dharani of Amitabha Buddha, um, Buddha of uh, infinite light in the Western Paradise. So, um, today is actually the 100th anniversary, the end of World War One, and uh, so and it ended at the armistice, which was in the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. So, almost exactly 100, 100 years ago, at this very moment, um, in the First World War, approximately 19 million people died. 13 million of those were soldiers, many were volunteers, More, many more were conscripts. And it wasn't much like a modern military fight, they weren't in firefight groups of little squads. It was an operation en masse over a huge, I think, uh, 400 mile front from Switzerland to the... Uh, water in um, Belgium. Uh, the carnage was unbelievable. Um, a third of a million people just disappeared uh, in Flanders, uh, ground the dust or just buried in the mud, never to be found, so they have no grave. And these huge numbers of people fought mostly because they thought it their duty or their cause or the right thing to do. I mention this not in an effort to glorify war, but as an Englishman I'm deeply touched by war. Britain lost 2.5% of its population or 5% of its male population in World War I and another 10% were wounded. Um, my great aunt and a couple of other ladies that lived on our street uh, never got married because there wasn't enough men to go around. Uh, these numbers, as shocking as they were, were actually twice as high in Germany and Russia. In Serbia, where the war started, actually lost one-eighth of its population um, killed. As a kid, I saw kid. Uh, as a kid, I saw soldiers walking around with their hands on one another's soldiers' sh shoulders, so they could um, move from one place to the other because they'd all been blinded by uh, 
guess attacks. Um, I know many veterans, or I have known many veterans of both wars, <coughs> and uh, heard lots of stories. My grandmother's uh, family were a military family, so I count their history right back with the charge of the Light Brigade in the Crimea. I do get emotional talking about war. Um, try to hold it together here, but uh, I find it quite difficult when I think of the sacrifice that people made and the suffering that they endured. As a kid, I used to play on the bomb sites and the bombed out houses and the anti-aircraft uh, gun emplacements. America has actually had the good fortune never to have a foreign attack within the mainland, although Hawaii of course did. And the numbers of the dead in America have always been quite small as a percentage of the population. Um, in the First World War it was one in a thousand, and in the Second World War it was still only one in two hundred. Compare that to Eastern um, Russia, like the Ukraine and Belarus of today, where 60% of the population died as a result of the Nazi attack. So you just look around this little group here, if you imagine 60% of us missing at the end of the war, it would, you realise how shocking and awful that war was. Yeah. China, China lost about 8% of its population in the Second World War. So, I don't glorify war at all. In fact, at many levels, I hate war. <clears throat> war is politics by other means, and it's the nadir of political thought. However, the best of people can be seen at times of war. There's selflessness, courage, valour, endurance, and egolessness. Um, but still, we have to ask, why was World War I fought? Well, it was primarily fought because greedy, self-serving heads of state, mostly cousins, all the offspring of Queen Victoria, couldn't decide how to divvy up the wealth of Europe amongst the six of them. So, the war was fueled by greed and carried out as a result of othering and propaganda, distancing one another people. People rushed off to World War I in great, great joy, thinking it was going to be a glorious short war to end all wars. Four years later, they were all completely tired of it. And it was a terrible war of fought in mud over tiny distances. Uh, often the troops were only 100 feet apart and uh, at the Battle of the Somme the opening, the opening hour saw more dead than Gettysburg and it carried on for another eight days at that rate. Um, across the seven mile front of Passchendaele the, the ground cost a life for every six inches and at the end of it they were back where they started, uh, just a few hundred thousand less of them. So you might ask what this has to do with Zen. 
Well, I would say um, the Dharani I mentioned was to propitiate the dead. I think we have to remember the dead, remember their sacrifice, but we also have to try to do something for them so that they don't carry their anger with them um, into their next lives. And it comes back to us. Um, the Buddha said when he was asked about the war between the Magadhi and the Kosalans, uh, well, even if you win, victory won't release the anger and uh, you will continue to suffer. So don't go into it lightly. Um, I also think it's in, very instructive for us to occasionally think of just what people are capable of, either the good or the bad, and what war really means. I did write an academic paper uh, quite a few years ago now. Um, it was fairly well accepted and it pointed out that human nature must originally have been more peaceable than it is today. And it was certainly more peaceable than our nearest relatives, the chimpanzees, and our common ancestor that was something like a gorilla, chimpanzee, or us, so it's the common ancestor of that clade, had to become more peaceful than they were because humans take a long time to develop and grow as babies. And if we're going to have bigger brains and um, longer gestation, longer... Um, breastfeeding and mature, uh, rise to maturity, they must have become more peaceful. And so at the very base of our humanity is uh, more peacefulness. <coughs> um, Hunter-gathering groups are mostly pretty peaceful. Um, they will raid one another occasionally, but they mostly are pretty peaceful. And you'll find a lot of hunter-gatherers live on high places and they keep an eye out. And if they see smoke somewhere else, they actually move away from the smoke. It's like they don't want conflict. Um, it changes very much when we get to agriculture and you feel you have something that's mine, something I work for, something that you put your ego in. And, and you need to live on, you will then fight to defend it. And as people become more, more possessions, more resources, the, the more they fight. So by the time of the Fertile Crescent had its great civilizations, they were always at war with one another. And also at the time of the Buddha, I mentioned, uh, there were several wars actually in his lifetime, so it wasn't a great peaceful thing. The Buddha himself, of course, was a warrior. He belonged to the Kastriya um, caste, so he would have been, and he was the son of a king, so he would have been trained from the earliest days in fighting and methods of fighting and being expected to fight because at least in the past our leaders actually did lead from the front not just send people off and wish them the best so Buddhist practitioners themselves 
um, it's often said there's never been a Buddhist war. Uh, don't believe that to be true. Um, I do believe, as Karl Marx said, that there's never been a war fought that didn't have a profit motive, but Buddhists have fought wars between Thailand and Burma and Thailand and Cambodia, but a long time ago. Amongst the Zen sects, um, in actual fact, in the time of Kamakura, they had armed monks. The Tendai had a standing army of some 10,000 monks who terrorised Kyoto and the, uh, the different temples occasionally did fight amongst them, but they mostly sold their, their fighting monks for um, uh, mercenary activities for, to the shogun or other daimyo. So we can say that humans have the capability of war, although we didn't evolve with it. Um, in the different realms, there's the Azura, the Titans, the, the fighting gods who have terrible abilities to wage war against one another. And whenever we engage in war, we have a mind that's no different from that of the Azuras. So, um, people can be terribly cruel in war, um, but they can be terribly kind. A friend of mine, um, a little boy in Hong Kong at the time of the Japanese occupation, um, is only alive, him and his sister are only alive today because a Japanese soldier shared these meagre rations. They didn't have a lot of food himself, but he always fed these two little kids even though if he had been caught feeding them, it would have been a death penalty for the soldier himself. So there's this cruel occupier looking after two little kids. So war's not always <coughs> um, black and white. And we have to remember nearly all of the samurai practice Zen. Uh, they practice mindfulness, the very same meditation that we're doing here. Um, and they did this to hone their killing powers, to focus their attention and enable them to endure the unendurable and to give up their life and quietly accept death. I mean, you could actually get sentenced to death for yawning in front of uh, a daimyo or a shogun. It was like, oh, you yawned, you're not paying attention to me. Please go out and disembowel yourself. And they go, oh, yes, certainly, fine. <laughs> Ways of living that we can't imagine today, actually. But that was never the purpose of Zen practice. Be absolutely clear. The same as mindfulness is not the purpose of mindfulness practice today, should not be that you can stand more stress in your job and still turn in a good profit for Google. <laughs> um, the only purpose that we practice for is the universal enlightenment of all beings, the development of bodhicitta and through that practice become ourselves more peaceable. So why doesn't everyone become a pacifist? 
Well, um, self-sacrifice is not possible without a sense of greater good. We can't just self-sacrifice ourselves like the samurai unless you have trained yourself in that purpose. Um, in the military, people sacrifice one another. I must say, I've never been in combat, although I know many combat veterans. Um, in the military today, people sacrifice themselves because they have fictive kin groups, which is they arrange the little fire groups so that you all think you're brothers, brothers in arms. I'll die for my brother. They're not dying for the purpose of defeating uh, Marxism or because they are so concerned that capitalism is the way forward. Uh, it's just if Maydo's about to get killed, or I'd probably sacrifice myself to save Maydo, and that's out of a sense of kinship, fictive kin. Which, if you ever watched boot camp or know anything about boot camp, that's what they develop. So, um, the other way of uh, self sacrifice is like in the Russian wave, which was uh, an innovation of a general in the uh, Russo Japanese War. And that was they didn't have enough guns, so the first wave went in with their guns, and as they were mowed down, the next wave went in and picked up their guns because they went in with no guns and they had three waves of this, and the idea was that they, they pushed so many people forward that the enemy would get sick of killing them. Now, if you didn't want to go forward in the Russian wave, the officers stayed behind with machine guns and machine gunned everybody you turned back, so your only chance was to go forward. It was a death sentence to come back. So, <clears throat> not much of a sense of self-sacrifice there, it was actually self preservation that would drive you into the gun, oncoming guns as a result of that in uh, the Second World War um, probably three million uh, Russian soldiers died that way hard to know um, people also fight for a sense of honour I am a brave soldier it's kind of the upbringing my grandma gave me <laughs> as, uh, yeah you've got to be brave and you've got to be honourable and people will look up to you that's just feeding ego too and um, the other thing that you need to do is to fight war is dehumanise the enemy because if you see him as a person as a brother in arms well, we're brothers in arms, but they're the enemy, they're animals, we need to kill them. Um, and also there's a sense that if you lose to somebody who's dehumanised, uh, you've lost a lot of face. I mean, how could you lose to that kind of person? So, um, but the, the nations actually hate pacifists. And, one of the most persecuted groups in Nazi Germany was actually the Jehovah's Witness because Hitler hated the very thought of pacifists so he, he had them all round up and gassed. It doesn't serve statehood. 
if you have a sense of peace. So, although there's not really pacifism in the Buddhist teaching, I would say it's more a peaceable teaching. Um, sila, which we dealt with a lot recently, thou shalt not kill, uh, from the Christian, or, or I will refrain from taking life, as it is um, for Buddhist. It's always a personal affair. Um, the Buddha himself didn't instruct societies very much. He instructed individuals. And most, most of his instruction was actually given to monks. So if you're a monk, you should probably be a 100% dyed-in-the-wool pacifist. But if you're in daily life, that pacifist decision must be your own or otherwise it's not really sila you're just following orders again so <clears throat> if you ever wondered how much of a pacifist you are I'd give you a little test that you can all take is if we had a time machine and you could go back to 1930 knowing that Adolf Hitler was about to kill 53 million people would you assassinate him? I'll leave that for you to ponder. <laughs> I probably can answer for myself, but can't answer for you. It's not even clear in that. I mean, this is an old philosophical thing. You know, there's five people on a bridge. Do you save those or the people on the train? Um, however you put it, it's always a personal decision and it has to be made from the heart. So, if you practice the way of the Bodhisattva, that your every moment of your life should be spent in developing Bodhicitta, the mind of enlightenment. And if you have that mind of enlightenment, perhaps you'll never ever be put in a position where you have to make that choice. Many people are not. That's, that's a blessing in itself. So today, I'd like to wish the best for the rebirth of the victims of war, both the aggressors and the defenders, of those who were killed and those that survived but have mental scars, many, many, many of them. Um, I'd like us to think about supporting the injured, saying thanks to the veterans for what they had to put through. Try not to judge veterans. Um, we are very keen to send people off to war and then get very angry with them for what they did in our name. And I ask you not to blindly follow propaganda, which is how they get most people to go to war, but to question it and have the courage to speak wisdom to power when you can. So, from a Zen point of view, trust in the heart, do not dis discriminate. Human nature is not red in tooth and claw, as we believed, but is blessed with the divine ability to discern truth, forget the ego, and become enlightened. <laughs>